All right, so this morning, since we're in this topical series, we're kind of parachuting into this passage. So I want to start just by giving us a little bit of context for what's going on when Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And so what he's talking about is that um, some other guys are going to come through, sent from Jerusalem, kind of a group of people for accountability, are going to come through and take up an offering from a lot of these churches that are further west in the predominantly Gentile area. And the reason for that is because there was a big famine in Jerusalem at that time. And so there was just a huge need for uh, resources within that church in Jerusalem. And so these guys were coming around and taking up this offering. And what's interesting about it is we don't know if this is how that whole idea of the offering started or not. Probably not. But one of the things you see here is that this church in Corinth a year ago had made a commitment to that. They had said, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to give an offering. We're going to collect something to send to the church in Jerusalem. And what you see is that this other church near them in Macedonia had heard about that. They were encouraged and kind of provoked by it in a good way. And they were like, well, yeah, let's, we want to be part of that too. And so they had given their offering already and the church in Corinth hadn't yet actually contributed to this collection. We see that if you want to look at some context here. In chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, he says, And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. And so Paul's basically encouraging them in these two chapters to be ready when those guys come through to contribute something significant to this offering. And one of the things he does is point to the Macedonians who apparently were not as well off as the Corinthians and saying, look what they did. They gave this amazing gift. You guys better be ready to not be put to shame by that. And so this is different than our situation, right? When we're in this advanced initiative, as a church, we're talking about encouraging ourselves as a body to be generous with our resources as part of this campaign to push the needle, right? To take the mission God has given our church and move it forward. Um, Part of that is with the facility, but it's not just that. It's way bigger than that. We're talking about the fact that we're going to, hopefully, the ideal is to put a a facility on this land that's right across from Harry Myers Park, not so that we could kick our feet up and be comfortable, because we believe God wants to use that as part of our overall mission. And that's why you may have heard us use this language of a one-fund approach. We're not asking people to give to this special offering over here to put up a building and another offering over here for the ministry of the church, but rather to see it all as part of a mission. Because our goal is that this facility we want to build um, would be a launching pad and and a hub Um, for ministries, church planners, missionaries to be sent out from. In fact, just so you guys know, one of our goals in this deal is is to make this kind of our our final facility for us as a church. In other words, we don't plan to build this facility across from Harry Myers, fill it up, start having four, five, six services, and then wait until we can build an even bigger facility somewhere else and move. That's not our vision at all. Um, The vision is to have this facility, fill it up for one or two services, and then begin to plant other like-minded, healthy churches within this region um, so that we're multiplying what God is doing through us into other healthy churches for more families, 
more communities to have a church like Cross Point near them and accessible. Um, so that's what we're talking about. Again, Paul's situation is very different. He's talking about collecting for an offering, special offering going to Jerusalem because of the famine. But there's so many similarities, so many general principles we can draw from this to apply to any situation when it comes to giving. So we're going to look at two main giving principles that we see in this passage. And the first one is this, is that we should give gladly and willingly. We should be giving gladly and willingly. Look in chapter 9 if with me, verses 6 and 7. It says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So there's basically two things that he's saying here. And the first is this, that we should not be giving out of pressure. That anytime we're giving towards the mission of the church, it shouldn't be because we feel like a large amount of guilt has been laid on us by the person encouraging us to give or that we're being manipulated or anything like that. He says each one should give in his own heart as he desires to give. That word under compulsion means out of necessity or pressure. And I think Paul needed to say that because he's going to spend two solid chapters encouraging them to give. And some of it is going to even seem a little a little bit like guilting, right? A little bit like comparing them to other people. Like he's really pressing them pretty hard on this. So he wants to kind of balance that out by saying, look, you need to do what you've decided in your heart, not do it just to please man or because you feel like someone is twisting your arm or manipulating you. And we don't want to be a church like that. I think if you've been with us for a while, you understand that. But one of our concerns going into this advanced sermon series was, man, we don't want new people to come into this church and think, oh, this is one of those churches that all they do is talking about giving money to the church. If you've been with us for a while, you know that's not even close to being the case. Um, so we want to understand that there's a fine line between biblically being encouraged in the area of giving and being on that journey. It's part of our discipleship is learning to hold things loosely, right? And learning to be generous because God is very generous and we're made in his image and we're to imitate him in that way. Um, there's a fine line between that and being pressured and um, being taken on a guilt trip or something like that. And I'm not, you know, I'm not able to try to tell you here's the line between the two, uh, but I heard one guy put it this way, just because we, not, we may not be able to identify the exact time the sun sets, we still know when it's light and when it's dark, right? I think we still know the difference in like being encouraged to give um, and being manipulated in a shady way. So we don't want to do that. Um, one of the things that I think makes a big difference in whether or not we're giving from the heart um, or giving in a way that we're feeling pressured and manipulated to do so is whether or not we've really bought into the vision of the thing that we are giving towards. Let me just give an example of that. I, I'm a kind of an outdoors guy. I love being outdoors. If we're planning a family vacation, man, the last thing I want to do is like go to a city. I want to go to like a national park or a state park, somewhere where we can be outside, enjoy nature. Um, and so when you go into state parks in Texas, when you drive in, there's usually like a booth there and you have to pay what's usually like a vehicle fee of five or ten dollars, usually not a whole lot. Um, now, depends how you look at it, right? I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but I think in terms of cheeseburgers when I think of money. 
And so when it's like 10 bucks, I'm like, oh, that could have been a cheeseburger, you know. That's, that's just how I see money in general. Um, so you go into the park, you pay your 10 bucks, and usually I'm glad to do it, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, if they said I could go in for free, I totally would. I wouldn't just like throw money at them. But I'm glad to pay the 10 bucks because I understand that when I go into that park, it's clean, um, sometimes, depending on the park, I guess, but it's well-maintained. they got to keep the roads up, right? They have facilities and maintenance. They have expenses, and I'm glad to pay that because I know what it's going towards, right? I've never had that same sentiment when I pay my taxes, you know? Like, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I have to usually pay every year because I'm not a fan of loaning my money to the government. Um, and so at the end of the year, I usually have to pay something in taxes, and I never like I'm writing that check and think, man, I'm just, I'm just glad to know Mr. Biden is going to be well taken care of because of this check, right? Or I'm glad that my congressman doesn't have to worry about breaking down on the road because we're supporting these guys, right? And so a lot of that has to do with whether or not you truly believe in the mission and the thing that you are giving towards. But he doesn't want us to give out of pressure. He also wants us to understand this. He'll point out that our gifts are merited not by amount, but by ability, so in other words, our gifts, what we give out of our hearts and generosity towards the church, towards the mission of God, um, is not merited by the dollar amount, but by what we have, by our ability. You see him saying that in chapter 8, verse 12. He says, For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So you see that the worthiness of our gift is not how much it moves the needle. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. We all understand the amount is important, right? We've got this goal of $8 million, right? And $100 helps us get further down that path than $20 does, right? That amount is significant. What Paul is saying is what really matters to you as an individual is not how far you can move that needle. What matters should matter to you is Based on what God has given you, are you giving what you and your heart have decided you are able to contribute? Think about the story of the widow that, um, where Jesus and his disciples saw a bunch of guys walking by this offering box and dropping money in. And it says that some of them were giving very large amounts, that they're, which is kind of weird, right? They were just sitting there watching what people give. I don't know what that was about, but they're sitting there watching the offering box. People are putting stuff in there. And they're like, man, some guys are giving a lot. That's cool. And then this widow walks by, and she drops in what is the equivalent of today's standards money of about $5. And you can imagine the, the temptation, right, the natural inclination to be just to kind of slough that off, right? Like, oh, okay, whatever, five bucks. And it's almost like Jesus knows that's what most people would be thinking. And so he stops them and he says, I say to you, this woman has given more than all of the others, right? Because what God cares about in this is not the amount um, as much as it is the expression of our heart. And that's why when Ryan talked about that earlier, he mentioned this goal that we have. Basically, we have two goals here with this initiative. Number one is 100% participation, right? That's the top goal, is that everyone in this church body, as we walk through these biblical texts about giving and generosity, and are challenging us towards this, we go, yeah, I'm in. I'm going to try to do what I can to be generous with the resources God has given me. That's the first goal. It's a discipleship thing. The second goal is to raise $8 million, and they are in that order. Calvin said it this way regarding this text. He said, the rich, on the one hand, 
owe to God a larger offering. And the poor, on the other hand, ought not to be ashamed of their slender resources. And so the second principle we're going to see in this text, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time, is that we should be encouraged to give generously. That's what we see Paul doing in this passage, is he's just finding different ways, different angles, different motivations to throw out there for them to consider as he's challenging them and pushing them to give generously to this offering. And so what we see is that Paul does have a higher expectation of the wealthy. Again, this church in Corinth, it's known, I guess, for being like a a wealthy city or at least a wealthy church. And he kind of points back to the Macedonians who gave, he says, out of their poverty. They gave a lot, even though they had very little. And there's just kind of this challenge there of like, if they did that, you ought to be able to do something even more. So there's a sense in which he does expect more out of those who have more too much who is to him who much is given, much will be required, right? You see that coming through here. Um, and then if you look in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 8, he says this, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. In other words, Paul's saying, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that you should give in such a way that others would have this really nice, easy life and you would be living in poverty, right? But that as a matter of fairness... Your abundance at the present time should supply their need. He just basically says, look, you guys have a lot. These guys are struggling. Just as a matter of fairness, I'm going to ask you to contribute to this in a significant way. And so just a quick side note for us on that, kind of our own disclaimer as a church. Um, In this series, man, we've been talking a lot about giving and generosity and what that looks like. And one of the things we want to make really clear is that we do not want to be in that ditch of being manipulative or pressuring you to do something beyond what's going to be wise for you to do. Um, And so I think a lot of us are probably not in danger of that. Um, But there may be some among here that you're just in a season of life. Maybe you're a widow, for instance, and you, because of the season and stage and situation you're in, man, for you to Um, increase your giving might be like something where it might put you in a bad situation. We don't want you to feel pressured or manipulated by this at all to do something that's unwise for you as a person. In fact, if in that category, if you're a widow, um, the biblical emphasis, if anything, is on the church's job to be ready and poised to take care of you, not the other way around. Um, but having said that, if you're in a position to, to give and to be generous towards this, obviously that's what we want to encourage you to do. Um, so he encourages them to give generously based on their ability. Also, he uses the example of others. Right? He gives by the other's example as a motivation for one of the ways that we should be encouraged to give. Um, and so we already read the idea or talked about the idea that This church in Corinth committed to give an amount, probably not specified, but to contribute to this offering. And just knowing that they did that kind of stirred up the Macedonian churches to contribute to it as well. We see that in chapter 9, verse 2. He says, For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you, to the people of Macedonia. So Paul's saying, I've been talking to Macedonian churches about how ready and willing you are to contribute to this thing, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. And so that was one of our goals in sharing what Ryan shared earlier about how, you know, out of all the member families at our church, 
um, 15% of them have already said, hey, we're going to do this, we're in, and turn in the commitment card. Um, and the amount is awesome, right? The $4.2 million, that's noteworthy, that's worthy of celebrating. But the bigger thing we want to see is just that among our leaders, 15 have said, yeah, we're in, we're doing this, in hopes that you would be encouraged to do so as well. But then Paul flips it. He goes, look, your commitment to this has stirred up them. But then he uses the Macedonians' commitment to try to stir up and encourage the church in Corinth. Chapter 9, verse 4, he says, Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find out you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. And that's what I'm talking about where there, there's this, there's a line he's, seems like almost coming up to the edge of it, right? Where he's kind of, uh, he's not trying to manipulate them, but he is encouraging them by saying, hey, look, these guys over here were encouraged by what you said, and they gave whatever amount. Man, don't let them put you to shame. Like, don't embarrass yourself by talking this big game and then not, not coming through on it, not following through. Let's go. Let's do this. He's encouraging them with the example of what others have done. And then thirdly, we see that we're encouraged to give by the example of Jesus himself. By the example of Jesus. Chapter 8, verse 9, it says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And friends, I want us to camp out on this for just a second because... This is so near and dear to the heart of our church. You've been with us for any significant amount of time at all. You know that one of our things, right, is that we're always bringing things back to Jesus in the gospel. Pretty much every sermon, um, whatever we're talking about, we're going to come back to the fact that all of that that we're saying, anything we're proclaiming and teaching, is rooted in and grounded on the foundation of Christ and the message of the gospel. Um, Him coming to pay the penalty for our sin, to reconcile us back to God. And what I want you to see is that that's not a tactic that we invented at Crosspoint. Um, that's not some strategy that we came up with. We're taking our lead from Paul. I mean, so many of Paul's letters, here's, here's basically what you see is that the first three chapters, there's, here's the gospel, here's Jesus and what he's done. Now, therefore, live in such what, live in this manner, live in this way, in light of what Christ has done. And giving is no exception to that. And so what Paul does is he's encouraging them to give generously. It's like, hey, here's why you should do that. Look at Jesus. Look at what he did. Man, if you want an example, an encouragement of what it means to be generous with what you have, look at Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto, but emptied himself by taking the form of God of a servant, right? That's what you see, that Christ was sitting at the right hand of the Father in all riches, in all glory, in all comfort, and for someone else's sake, stripped himself of those comforts, of those pleasures, of that ease, of those glories, laid it aside, made himself poor to come down, walk in a frail human body, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why? In order to make us rich. He made himself poor, laid aside the riches he had in order to make us rich. And when I say make us rich, I'm not talking about 
material, you know, possessions, being physically wealthy. What I'm talking about is something much deeper and better. The spiritual heavenly riches of believing in Jesus, knowing that we've been reconciled to our creator and that one day all of our guilt, all of our sin, all of our struggles, all of our wants and needs will be taken away and met in the person of Jesus who we will live with in eternity in heaven with our Father. He laid himself aside and made himself poor in order to make us rich. So he gives that as an example of like, look how generous Jesus has been to you. And holds that out as a motivation for them to be generous with what they've been given towards others. And then number four, we should be encouraged to give generously by God's provision. And so we're going to see here in chapter 8, verse 15, a reference to the Old Testament. He says, As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. And if, you know, you just look at that verse in itself, it may not mean much, but if you look in like look at it in your Bibles, you're probably going to see it in quotes and maybe a little note referencing back to the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, God's people had left Egypt Right, hundreds of thousands of people wandering in the desert. That's a lot of people to feed. And I'm guessing there's not a lot of food in the desert. I've been to deserts before, and that's just not something there's a lot of. So one of the ways God provided for them is that when they wake up in the morning, just like there would be dew on the ground when we wake up in the morning, there was this stuff called manna. This bread, this food that God provided for them. And so they would wake up, gather what they needed for that day, and have to trust God to provide it again for tomorrow. There were these warnings that they said, God told them, don't stuff that away in a basket um, because you're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Just take what you need today and simply trust me that I will provide again for you tomorrow. And that's the encouragement he's giving them is like, look, whatever you decide to give, there's this temptation to think, man, especially if, a, you know, this is like a one-time offering, especially when we talk about like a, increasing your commitment to your church, there's this temptation to think like, man, if I give that, I'm going to want something else and not be able to afford it. And what Paul is reminding them of here is just like, just like the Israelites trust God every single day that he would provide what they needed, we can trust God in what we decide in our hearts to give. As we've been talking about this, we've heard so many stories. Um, we heard some that we've shared on Sunday mornings. I've heard private conversations. I've had conversations in my small group. And I've just heard this story so many times where people have said, yeah, on our giving journey, there was a point where we either weren't giving anything or weren't giving nearly what we thought we should. And we were convicted and compelled to give more or start giving. And we looked at the dollar amount we wanted to give, and we looked at our budget and the spreadsheet, and we're like, this doesn't work. If we do this, this is no longer going to work. And then the story continues, but we did it, and you know what? God provided. Some of it was us going without some things. Some of it was just somehow God made that work. And I'll tell you a story I haven't heard yet, and maybe there's like, I'm going to say this story, and one person's going to be like, actually, that, that did happen to me, right? Um, but a story I haven't heard yet is where someone said, look, we're going to commit to giving this. And then six months later, they were like, yeah, we can't give that much. We're going to have to rein that in. I've just yet to hear that story. 
Like every time, every story I've heard, someone commits to give a certain amount and God makes it work because you're trusting in his provision and he's using that as an act of faith to build and encourage you up in your walk on your giving journey. I've never heard of anyone committing to amount and then later having to come back and adjust it and back it off. But heck, even if that did happen, right, man, I would say kudos to that person, right? Like, good for you for being bold enough to give a certain amount and give so much that you then had to adjust that because you found you actually didn't have enough for what you needed. Um, But either way, what you see here is an encouragement for us to give in such a way that we are trusting God's provision. And I think part of what that means, at least for me and my journey when I'm thinking about this, is that like we ought to be giving in an amount in such a way that it it matters, that it, it stings a little bit, you know? Um, think of, go back to the last point about Jesus with me for a second. Jesus was glad, right? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was glad to give up the things he gave up for the sake of the mission and the purpose that God called him to, right? We ought to be glad to contribute. We ought to do it um, in our hearts as we've decided to give, not out of manipulation. But at the same time, it is going to sting a little, right? I think we have to remember both sides of that coin because if we, if we think it should be all in gladness, then we start to feel guilty if like we have second thoughts or we start to wish this or that. No, that's, that's part of it, right? I'm sure that Christ had some times where he wasn't really happy about the things he was giving up. Like, I don't know, maybe when he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Like there's an element of sacrifice and an element of where it ought to hurt us a little bit when we're giving in a way that's truly generous. But we can trust God's provision and we can trust that the reward is worth it. So in summary, Paul gives us so many reasons in this text to be generous. He gives the um, reason of our own ability. If God has given you much, you know, be generous in return. He gives us the example of others, like look around you at what other people are doing and let that stir you up and encourage you to move forward. Ultimately, look at the example of Jesus in his generosity and follow in his steps. And really, in all of it, trust God's provision. That as you become more open-handed and more generous, God is faithful to provide for everything you need. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for our text today. and. All these, all these little pockets of Scripture we've gone to just to see how you want us to see our resources. And God, I thank you for the example here where Paul is very bold in his challenge to them to give and, and lays out what that looks like and why we should do that. And my prayer this morning is simply that we would learn from and be encouraged by that. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen.